0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. fascinating interviews, and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show today. I'm Diane Ray, and I'm so glad you could join me and be present for this hour. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think it touches on a lot of things that uh, are going on currently in the world right now. You know, there's a lot of turmoil, uncertainty. It's really easy to lose faith and to doubt the existence of God or a higher power. And I know I I feel that way all the time, I'll admit it. And uh, even um, recently I was reading in the writings of Mother Teresa, we all know who she is, the famous nun and saint who ministered to the poor in Calcutta, India. And even she admitted to having doubts. And I really loved reading this because it made me feel so much better that if Mother Teresa had doubts that were causing her pain, then... It's not, it wasn't so bad, the feelings that I was having uh, doubts in, in faith and in God. And some of her writings show this. Here's a quote from her personal journals Where is my faith? Even deep down, right in, there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful is this unknown pain? It pains without ceasing. I have no faith. I dare not utter the words and thoughts that crowd in my heart and make me suffer untold agony. So many unanswered questions live within me. I am afraid to uncover them because of the blasphemy. If there be God, please forgive me. And that's from Mother Teresa, that she had these kinds of questions. So I know a lot of us that are listening to Unity Radio, we're all on a journey to know God or source or a version that works for us. We're trying to figure it out. Even Mother Teresa was trying to figure it out. My guest today has written a book about this journey. It's very powerful. Her name is Iman al-Zabi, and she grew up in a Muslim Arab family in Abu Dhabi. And after years of suffering from depression and panic attacks, she began a spiritual journey that she writes about in her book, The Art of Surrender. And Iman joins me from Abu Dhabi today. And Iman, I hope I said your name right. Is that correct, Iman al-Zabi?
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Thank you for having me. Very good. I'm so glad you could join me for the show today. We had some uh, connection problems over the past few weeks. We were trying Skype and all kinds of things so I could connect with Iman for the show. So we're going to do our best today and see if we can work with Skype. So um, I'm so glad you're joining me there over in Saudi Arabia. So Iman, I wanted to talk to you about the book, and really taking us on a journey to acknowledge the existence of a spiritual life for all of us, so that all of us can experience that. And what do you think happens when we ignore this part of ourselves, our spiritual life?
1: Yeah, um, just a minor connection. I am from Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, the UAE, where Dubai is, <laughs> where a lot of people uh, know where the tallest building is. Um, but uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm from this region, so it all, it all doesn't make a difference. But just wanted to clarify that. So oh, you were okay. talking about oh. uh, you were talking about creating a, a a spiritual life and what it means to be spiritually connected. I personally believe that the, the reason why we have so much suffering in this world is that because we are disconnected on some level, uh, either from ourselves our, or our environment and, and nature or from God. Um, and so having a spiritual life is very core. It's, it's actually the reason and the purpose of why we're here uh, is to experience that, can, that sacred connection with, with a higher power. And I think a lot of people take different routes towards that and, and some people settle somewhere and some people decide something for themselves. But essentially, that's why we're all here. We're just experiencing this big question of why we're here, what is this all about? And everybody answers that question based on on their own experience, based on their own life path and life journey.
0: Well, even the title of the book is... Uh prompting some questions from people I'm sure you know the art of surrender and I think some people get defensive at that word surrender Um, but it's an important piece of the book and is that what you hope people get from reading the book that they're able to surrender to the wisdom of the divine or however that works for them
1: right right Um, because we're so conditioned towards having control But we don't realize that we did not create reality or we did not create life on Earth, let's say. And we did not create the universe. And we did not ensure harmony. We did not ensure that every system works perfectly. And so we should realize that there is an element that is outside of our control, right? There's always an element of risk. There is always an element of something I can't attain. And, and so that missing piece is what we should be able to surrender to, right? Which is to understand that, you know, we are ought to be planning. We are ought to be doing things with our life and and having a vision for ourselves, but understand that where your, where your limit touches is that where, where the divine meets you, is that that space where you are actually are meant to surrender. And and not surrender as in like give up, but surrender as in give over to the divine to guide you and to move you to the next step. And in
0: the book, you lead us through different exercises and uh, prompts, you know, things that will kind of guide us on that path. So I was interested in um, a little bit about your childhood that I hope you can tell us about. I thought it was just an interesting story. Uh, that you shared, you grew up in a family of 10 children in a Muslim household, and then you became very interested in self-development, and what led to that interest?
1: Let's say I'm I'm, uh, someone who loves to explore by nature, and that's something in me, I love to learn new things. However, uh, at the time when I learned new uh, personal development and growth, it was out of a desire and a need to heal myself because I suffer from anxiety disorder and panic disorder and depression. So I was clinically depressed back then. It was my early 20s. Um, I got married very young. Um, I kind of felt that responsibility on on my shoulders of a premature child while I was uh, still in college and life was just like, you know, a whole big mess to me. I didn't know how to figure it out. And so I developed postpartum depression that lasted for about seven years. And so my journey led me towards understanding, um, you know, how should I help myself? It it was the path to empowerment. And I remember going to the psychologist and I was like telling him, um, these thoughts in my head, they won't stop. And he looked at me and he said, just tell them to stop. And i was like this is really not the answer you're really not giving me the answer of how to take care of myself all you do is just prescribe higher doses for me and this isn't working and so i left the office knowing that the the solution was not in the medical establishment they were not going to help me and so through the the grace of god i got to learn about cbt the cognitive behavioral therapy and that's when I started to feel slightly empowered, that I actually can think differently, that I can shift the way I, I see the world and, and, and how I see, I see my anxiety disorder. And that's when healing started for me, which is to realize that anxiety was a symptom of betrayal, of self-betrayal, that I betrayed myself in a way where I said to myself, you know what, here's your new life. You're a wife right now, and this is a, here's a child, and here's, this is a career path, you've got to take all that. But prior to that, I had my own you know, uh, paintings, I, I used to have so many hobbies. I was a very happy child in the sense that I was pursuing my hobbies. But as soon as I got married, I betrayed myself, and I started to see life differently. And that developed into anxiety disorder. So that's what I call it—a a state of disconnection, where I disconnected from my true self to assume a certain role in life, and that's when you know things got uh, worse for me. So the path to personal development helped me see things differently, helped me help bring me back to myself, and help bring you know make myself a priority in my own life. So that things started to heal, and I remember I was in one workshop and I said to the uh, instructor. I took the pills for uh, um, depression, it was Prozac back then, and I took the pills and I showed it to everybody in class and I said, this will be the last time I take these pills. And I threw it in the garbage, never returned back, we're talking, you know, 15 years now. So it was all gone because I knew back then that was not the solution for me. And that learning how to be with myself was the only way that I could heal.
0: And we're not taught that, right? We're, we're certainly not taught how to be with ourselves, and especially, well especially here in the West, you know, everything is fixed by a pill or something like that. There's there's something outside of ourselves that can fix it. You know, there's ads for all kinds of pharmaceuticals every day on TV here. So yeah, we're not taught any of those things. How to really look within and ask those questions. And I thought it was interesting too. Part of your You started to study energy healing, and you really embraced the principles, and you started to teach it. You became very good at it, and then that practice started to cause friction within your family, and could you explain what happened there?
1: Sure. Um, So. It, the per, the world of personal development and energy healing, all of that is, is very big. And now I'm starting to kind of figure out its boundaries, right? What resonates, what does not. And that's been always my journey, which is to see how I can fit that within my faith, within the realm of my faith. But um, as I'm practicing energy healing and, and my family hears about it, I start to work with them. And um, one of my sisters is very religious. She's a doctor, a, a very well-known doctor here. And she was, you know, she's a woman of science. She's a woman of religion as well. She's very conservative. And um, as soon as she knew about that, um, she said to me, I remember one day, she said, I, I saw you in a dream and you look terrible in that dream. And it looks to me that you were doing something wrong um, and, and you're betraying your faith and that crushed me because i didn't know i was doing something wrong i did, i thought i was helping people i thought i was doing something good um and i left you know crushed from her you know our conversation i didn't know what to do with that um so the next thing i know is that i started to pray to god to show me the bridge because i knew energy healing was something uh solid i learned the scientific elements of it as well as the mystical possibly and spiritual elements of it so i was kind of in the midst of the whole thing um and so in within that experience i i prayed to god to show me the bridge which is to show me what is true about this and and show me what is true about my own religion as well so i took a long journey of really going through spiritual practices and energy healing um you know, modalities to figure out what, what's going on here. And so as part of that exploration, I, I realized that the only core thing that I needed to keep to is the understanding that the qualities of God need to be honored in everything that we do. And when I say that, it means that if you say that God is the healer, you know that I am not going to be the healer for you that no one else is going to be the healer for you, but God is a healer. So you need to maintain that as you're doing your healing work, right? Um, to understand that, you know, uh, God is the only powerful entity here that, that works within the universe. And I must honor that as I practice these things. So that's been my journey is to see to come back full circle to my faith and to come back full circle, but with a very different perspective and understanding of how things work. And do you still practice energy healing today? Yes, I do. But within, within the principles of science, but I, I do not touch on mystical or, or spiritual elements. I do not meditate. I stopped meditating because I realized there's a, um, a risk in meditation that I don't wanna you know, enter. And we can have another session just talking about that. Yeah, that's
0: that's so interesting. So you don't you don't really do any kind of, or, or guess what people would say, traditional meditation.
1: Yes, yes. I, I have my own tools that I've developed myself, because I believe our subconscious mind and our soul speak to us all the time that it, and it's open all the time. It's a matter of you, understanding how that connection works. And really working through it, and and the exercises that I provide in the book actually uh, open door for that too, so um, that's how I would do it.
0: Well, I'm still working my way through the book. There's some really great exercises in there that did prompt some questions, and I really like the journey that you're taking people on, in that you're trying to help people find things that work for themselves, that we all come to our our own our own truth, right? And I think I think that's so interesting. I'm talking to Iman El Zabi about her book, The Art of Surrender, and the book will be, uh, is it available now for people yes. to order?
1: Wherever books are sold, uh, the book is available on Kindle, on Amazon, everywhere else.
0: Well, I hope people look for it because it, it really is an, an interesting read. So some other topics that you brought up in the book, some other other points that I thought were really interesting. So you say modern day spirituality calls us to seek divinity within ourselves, but even with our best intentions, this approach will fall short. And I, I thought that was, that was pretty profound to say that because that's true. And a lot of a lot of practices and traditions they're telling us, you know, look within, look within. and and I've questioned that myself, like, well, what am I what am I supposed to be looking for? <laughs> you know and and you say we fall short. So what did you
1: mean by that? I'm sorry, the the line got a little bit cut if you don't mind just repeating the question. Sure. I just wanted to find out
0: um, in the book you say modern day spirituality calls us to seek divinity within. But right. even with our best intentions, that this this approach will fall short. That it's difficult for us, I guess, as humans with our little pea brains, you know, to try to figure that out. How how can we look for that within? So I just wanted you to elaborate on that a little bit.
1: Yes. Um, this is one of the things where I felt like you know, uh, modern day spirituality did not kind of speak to me, which is the idea that we are divine from within. Um, I understand that a lot of people believe that, and that's their, where their journey has led them. However, do understand that the minute you ask these questions, you are opening a, a, an endless space of possibility of what the answer could be, right? And what I encourage the readers to do is to really understand that the minute you, you understand who you are, and the minute you understand your your qualities and why you have come here, that's all you need to be going and working with, is, is to allow the soul to to flow into life and really go about its its business of being itself, of expressing itself, of, of really liberating itself from all these so-called seeker uh, states. Because the minute you stay in the seeker state, you're going to be stuck in the state that will, will, will become a state of escape for you not to even go out there and, and really do what you're meant to be doing. Because a lot of people use the so-called term of seeking and, and spiritual seeking as a way to escape reality, but not as a way to uh, come out and explore and, and really restore the planet to where it needs to be restored. And so I, 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 my, my, my philosophy is that allow the self to, to show you itself and, and you are not meant to be really going in the levels where you need to be really exploring the depths of, of all of that. Because that's, I, I don't understand how people would want to spend their lifetime doing that because it's a, it's a beautiful thing. But my understanding is that you could be seeking something that isn't there
0: and that could really cause some pain i'm sure. When you right, get to and that it, point. Could,
1: it could be a distraction for you not to really go about the business of being you. Right?
0: No, that makes sense. And in the book you also say our soul's deepest desire is to form an enduring connection to the to the divine, but it's the separation that is causing us pain, the separation of the soul. From the divine, so I think sometimes people get, um, you know, maybe confused with the idea of what what soul is, or maybe everybody has a different definition. But what is your definition of what our actual soul is?
1: Well, it's it's one of the the divine's mist, mysteries. is uh, is something that is really open to our own interpretation, but from my own understanding and research is that this is the, this is the individuation of you. This is when God said, I'm gonna create Diane. He created Diane in a way where there was an intention for Diane, and there was a certain uh, essence to you, certain qualities, certain uh, aspects of you. Um, and, and so as that comes, it comes into physical reality you come into your your own physical body and that's also part of your soul and the passion of your soul is in your physical body as well and the way you look and the way you appear and so you become a, a creation a unique creation of the divine that comes to this planet and it comes for for a certain reason and a purpose so no one comes out of a coincidence no one is a mistake no one is like you know uh, is out of Um, how should I say out of luck it's all something purposefully designed and timed within space and time that we live in and so uh, to me the soul is individuation of you it's the uniqueness of you it's 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 you as in you and it never repeats itself as well and that's how I see it
0: and you say that the the soul the self and the ego you go into this uh you know, deeply into the book, um, in the various chapters. And you say the self is the starting point of change. And what, what do you mean by that? By the self is the starting point of change.
1: Well, that's because the the soul is the self in physical reality. So as soon as you join your, in your mother's womb and you come out and you're born into life, you're, as soon as your physical birth is, is, um, happens, your spiritual birth starts and the entire life you live here on this planet how much time you're given is all about your own spiritual birth right and so when the soul joins its physical reality physical partner which is a body it's in this realm which is limited by space and time it starts to to understand that the only way to change is by itself through itself so the self here as you see it is basically the soul in physical reality within space and time limitation and that's how i define it
0: so iman we're talking about the soul and you say there were there are three primary needs of our soul and that was a great definition you gave for the soul, by the way. So can you tell us the three primary needs of our soul that you talk about in the book?
1: Right, Um, so I think when, when I was going through my depression and anxiety, I didn't realize that I actually had needs inside of me that they wanted to come out. And so part of my healing journey was to understand and figure out what these needs are. And at the end of it, it was essentially, essentially three needs that every human being requires. and And without them, our well-being is not accomplished. Um, and in the book in chapter two, I talk about the well-being model, which is not the typical well-being that you would um, normally have in 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 the textbook, where it talks about you know balancing the physical, the emotional, the mental, et cetera. Uh, the way i see it as a soul as a leading energy within this and everything else feeds into it and feeds it and gives it more life force and more richness rich, richness sorry and so the basically the the three soul needs that i um, that i believe we all have is the the first need is the need to find and connect to source which is whatever source would be in your life. And, and, and a lot of people would go on that journey. And the minute you start asking the big questions of life, that's your soul launching that journey. It wants to have a context, a spiritual context. It wants to have a meaning and understanding, wants to pl- place itself gently, but also firmly on the ground to know what, why is it here, right? And the second question, uh, the second need, sorry, would be is to find ways to be in the world. And ways of being are basically your values. They're how do you show up for your life? And, and things like, you know, how, and they're basically the aspects of yourself, the, the elements of your uniqueness wanting to be expressed. For example, how do you, how, how you want to spend your time uh, when you're free? How do you uh, show up at work? How do you interact with people? Are you being in love? Are you being in connection? Do you value uh, joy? Do you value freedom? Do you value adventure? Do you value, um, I don't know, creativity? Whatever that you value as a unique entity and individuation, that would be something you would want to seek in your life. And you want to seek experiences that will give you more and more of that because that's the soul enforcing itself and living its life authentically. And the third uh, need would be is a need to express itself. Um, And expression comes in many ways and it comes in different forms. But as soon as, as your expression meets a service, that's when your purpose is born. When passion meets service, you start to understand that, oh, there is something bigger here that I can do with my life. And you start to engage into understanding what purpose is for yourself. And, and really deliver on that. It becomes something that ignites your life, gives it meaning, and it moves you forward. But it does not mean that if you don't have that, that you're not being yourself or that you're not living your life, full life because it's, it's, you're always expressing yourself no matter what. You're always living according to your values and you're always seeking to find and connect to source. So the minute any of these three needs are not met, or they're they're being met in a way that is, um, let's say, betraying of the of the integrity of who you are. That's when imbalance starts to to seep into your life. and that's when we feel the most you know uh, unhappy.
0: And we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back to talk more with Iman al-Zabi about her book, The Art of Surrender. Stay with me. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful moment with Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell from Unity San Diego discussing change and transition. And as we begin to really identify the endings in our lives to deal with them completely and wholly to heal from them as we must, as we are willing to be in a time of not knowing, a time of uncertainty, but a time of trusting that there is a blueprint, there is a plan, there is a destiny. As we move successfully through these experiences, we will find that we are evolving and emerging into something new and different. And every one and everything that has been happening in your life, both the things that are easy and good and pleasant, and those things that are challenging and painful and difficult are drivers for your own evolution. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. More and more people are interested in a vegan lifestyle and the numbers continue to grow. Join Victoria Moran every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central for Main Street Vegan and learn how to make the shift to help animals and the planet. Each week, Victoria shares recipes, health tips and interviews with celebrity vegans, experts and activists. Learn how to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Right here on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816 251 3555. That's 816 251 3555. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Welcome back to the show. I'm Diane Ray talking with Iman al-Zabi about her book, The Art of Surrender. And she's joining me from her home in Abu Dhabi, United Arab, Arab Emirates. <laughs> we're just reaching all around the world here to try to connect, uh, to do this interview, I'm connecting on Skype here. So I'm glad you came back after the break and joined us for the conversation. So before the break, we were talking about the primary needs of the soul and just how kind of uh What's the word? It's so it's so hard for people to grasp, you know, what the soul actually is and, and how we can work with it. But I think we know when we feel it, right? When something is not right with our soul, we really feel it, whether it's a, a job that we're in that's not right. And we know we have that feeling that we need to leave or a relationship that we need to leave. Those are all instances of our soul speaking to us, right? So we really need to pay more attention to that to that voice and that's um, a lot of what you're talking about in the book would you agree on how people can pay more attention to that voice of their soul
1: absolutely absolutely diane and that's the core of of what is meant to be enlightened state of of happiness is that you do everything within this the realm of the three needs of the soul are you being connected to God, are you seeking God and being connected? Are you expressing yourself fully in every moment? Are you living your values and according to your values? The minute you do everything, everything starts to fall into place and your life become uh, a manifestation of who you truly are. It's just like the in- living from the inside out. And so I, for me, my, my values are freedom, uh, beauty, uh, truth and um, joy and so for me I make sure that I, I live in an environment that is beautiful I always have flowers around me I always have something beautiful because that's a reflection of my the inner me in the outside I also make sure I don't work in jobs that are you know that is, that is like ticking in and out of the clock I, I you would never find me in that kind of job. I was appreciate freedom and I want a job that appreciates me and what I give and so the freedom of of that is very important for me. So it's it's how you show up, how you live your life, but that requires a, a discovery process, and that's what I provide in the book: is how do you would you discover these for yourself and live accordingly, and that's what I call living by design.
0: And you make an interesting point um, about dealing with crisis in life, which we all are going to have to deal with that at some point. It's part of the human experience, right? We're always going to have challenges and things that are are unpleasant. You know, deaths in the family, uh, you know, things you can't explain that happen. And And you say that these experiences can often be a signal that the soul is trying to have its needs met at some level does this mean that everything happens for a reason? Do you, do you think that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There isn't any single thing in this universe that is out of alignment or that is a mistake. Everything as you see is following this grand purposefulness of of being. So everything is purposeful. And so chaos is basically an opportunity for you to achieve your dreams. It's an opportunity to create a state of instability because it isn't happening to you. It is happening because you have instigated a state of change. You want to have change in your life, but you're kind of feeling helpless about it. And so chaos comes in to help you uh, um, be in a state of uh, instability so that you move into a state of, of integrity and stability. So that's life. Life is chaos and chaos is everything. It's an integral uh, uh, process of evolution of the entire universal evolution as well as, as um, psychological evolution as well as mental. Everything in life follows the same principle. And so that's how we, we live our lives. We move from state of instability to a state of harmony and, and uh, stability. And rather than fight these states, though,
0: are you saying that we should accept them with, uh, how can I say it? Well, a little more grace or, um, like you say in the book, surrender, because most of us are going to fight against those situations. You know, if something, a a death in the family or uh, a diagnosis of cancer or something like that, we we automatically push away from those things. So would you say we're missing the lesson in those in those situations for us to grow as as right. humans, you know, to grow more fully because we're pushing those things away, right? They're uncomfortable. We don't want to deal with that.
1: Right. And that is understandable. You gotta acknowledge your feelings about whatever is happening in your life. And you have to know that the the your initial reactions are actually part of the evolutionary process for yourself, and to to, to see that if you have created for yourself a spiritual context in which faith becomes so solid that you are able to rely on it during these times of crisis, you have a better way of surviving that crisis. You have a better way of dealing with it because you understand in a state where you are broken down that you reach out to what is higher and what is infinite, what is uh, what is always there for you. Right. And that is the essential part of, 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 you know, our, our growth process is to say, you know what, I can't do this. And God, please take this from me or God help me. God heal me. And those are the, the moments, as you said, Diane, is a moment of, moment of grace, where we are really let, that, you know, broken so much that we don't have anywhere else to go, except that we surrender. And can this lead us to let go of our fear of death?
0: You know, so many people are so afraid of that, that transition. And can this lead us to a greater understanding of that?
1: It's funny you mentioned that, because in the book I do talk about my fear of death, and, and that's what instigated my search for the, the understanding of what the soul is, because I thought if I could figure out what the soul is, I would not, you know, be afraid of dying. Um, but of course that was <laughs> not realistic. Um However, you know, uh, um, our fear of death is, is something that is, again, as I say, is understandable because we are meant to survive. We are meant to be here so that we can become who we want to become, right? And and it's not about the potential to be, but it's what are you doing in this moment? How are you expressing yourself? How are you connecting to people around you? How are you showing up, right? Right. Um, And so I think uh, the fear of death, as I said, is understandable, but it should be your teacher rather than something out there that is going to happen in the future where it scares the hell out of you. Because if you start to say, God, I understand that my time will come to an end at some point according to your plan, I surrender this fear to you and I let it go and I ask you to use me so that I can become you know, uh, a warrior or, or something that will help elevate humanity, that will help bring peace and harmony and joy to my life and the lives of people that are around me or on this planet. So that's how I would see that we should not run away from life or, or, from, or from living our life by creating this, this false fear of death. Um, let it become your teacher and let it go and then move on with your life.
0: Right, and just in, enjoy what we have here right now, right. Which is something I I always try to put myself in that state, and that's even why I I called the name of this show "Be Present," <laughs> the Diane Ray show, because I'm all I'm trying to be, um, in that in that state where I'm not worried about everything else that's coming. You know, absolutely, which, which includes death, which which will eventually come someday. Right. Hopefully, far far from today.
1: So you also
0: <laughs> had some uh, some interesting um, points about happiness. You know how we can be happier, the quest for happiness that most of us are on, and a lot of people define happiness by social status or accumulation of wealth, or whatever job they have, or, or that kind of thing, always searching, you know, always seeking for happiness, which remains elusive. So what is your definition of happiness? I thought you had a great definition in the book that you could share with us.
1: Well, happiness is, is sometimes we see it as those momentary states that we are expanded, and that we're happy about a certain thing that happened in our life. But understand that, you know, the more you live your life authentically and in and, and the moments, as you, Diane, say, you are being present, uh, the moment that you accumulate, you know, a sense of connection to nature, to yourself, to the divine, those are the moments that start to accumulate in your life and your life and your cup gets full. And you start to feel that expansive state of joy. But it's like if you reflect back on your life and you say, Um, I really did live a good life. And to me, that's when you start to feel that sense of happiness. It's 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 cumulative in a way that is reflected of a life that is well-lived, a life that you live consciously, a life that you live by design. And to me, that's the best thing you could do as a human being, right? Oh, absolutely. And I like that you say in the book that contentment
0: is... A, a nice place to be as well. You know, where we're always trying to tell ourselves that we're happy to be in a state of happiness, that really right. shooting shooting for contentment is, is pretty good.
1: Well, that's the state we essentially be, be in as soon as we realize that we're living consciously. And as soon as you build those moments and those uh, uh, experiences, you start to feel that enduring sense of contentment that fills your heart and expands you all the time. And that's when gratitude becomes a natural state of your being. You're not making a list of things to be gra- uh, grateful about, right? It's no longer a, an automatic practice because it's it happens to be healthy and it happens to be good for your brain or for your mind. But understand that gratitude is, is a, a byproduct of a, a well-lived life and of a heart that has known faith and has known, you know, uh, the divine. To me, that's how you start to to live fully and, and consciously is by by cultivating these states.
0: There's so many great points that you bring up in the book. I'm talking with Iman al-Zabi about her book, The Art of Surrender. <clears throat> Excuse me, edit that out. <laughs> and I, I love that it's a roadmap to our own spiritual awakening. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the ego because I have some ideas about this. And, you know, we're often told by spiritual teachers that we need to, you know, defeat our ego to shake it off. It's something that needs to be fought. And I think that's a difficult, a difficult thing to do because our ego is supposed to be our sense of self, right? Who we are. So on the one hand, isn't it a good thing to have a strong sense of self and identity and, and who we are. But I guess that balance can sometimes, you know, be upset between having a strong sense of self and letting our ego take over. So how do you think our ego gets in the way of our pursuit of, of truth and, and divinity and and knowing our soul and all those things? How does the ego defeat that or get in our way of that?
1: Well, basically, the ego is is you. Um, so we are we all have two polarities to us. We have goodness and we have a little bit of ego. Um, and whichever you feed will become, you know, you you become that. Whichever you feed, right? Um, and so, the ego gets in the way because it it wants to maintain its identity. It wants to stay. Uh, um, it wants to stay in the forefront of your life. Um, But sometimes uh, the ego is your teacher because it's there. It's like saying, hey, wait a minute, you want to grow into this? You want to do this with your life? But you have this baggage and you have this much sadness in your life. And so your role is to say, wait a minute, I should listen to that. And I should really uh, uh, reflect in and really understand what is that trying to tell me? about myself, because before I move on with my life to the next level of, of my growth, whatever that might be, I must understand that I should not go to the new place with this baggage, with this sadness. So the ego is saying, hey, here is this. It's in the way. I'm giving it to you. And your role is to really work it out uh, um, and really go through this. So to me, the ego is our, our, our most uh, precious ally and our most precious teacher. It gets in the way because it needs to get in the way. It get, to get in the way because it needs to tell you something uh, that will help you. And and in the human experience, there are two major laws that that govern the, the that govern the, the condition of us being human. Um, the first law is the law of awakening, which is the law in, in which we start to ask the big questions of life and we awaken for our spiritual uh, uh, enlightenment. And the second law is the law of of evolution. And that law is basically us evolving into our truest self, becoming who we are. And so the ego's role is to really help along the way. It gets you the blocks that you need to get so that you learn the tools, that you learn the, the, the skills that you need to, to be able to move on to the next level. So without my depression and anxiety, I didn't know how to be myself. Without, you know, a resistance about writing, I didn't know how to actually look into the skills and learn how to write. So anything that gets in the way becomes an opportunity for growth and learning. And that's the law of evolution in action. And what are some ways
0: to develop a better awareness of our our
1: ego? Well, it it all goes back to how open are you to to really listening to what goes on inside of your your brain and inside of your body, uh, understanding those cues. Uh, I would I would encourage people to practice emotional intelligence, uh, where they are aware of their emotions, aware of their thoughts, and really practice how to listen in internally. Again, without having to close your eyes and be in a dark room and really having to do all of these practices, because that's not necessary. What you need to be doing is, is, is hearing those physiological changes in your body. Uh, when a thought passes by and the thought is more like, oh, but you don't know how to do that. that you, leave this for someone else. Um, you catch that, that voice. You catch that thought. And you say to it, but why do you say that because these thoughts are actually a reflection of a broken part inside of us and they've come out because they're saying um you know this is what i would normally say to myself so you catch that thought and start to question it and have a dialogue with it and have a conversation until it opens up to you and you feel like you know what i think i was i was not acknowledged as a child as being a creative and, and that's, the thought is actually telling me that right now. And so you get to a core of a certain truth and a certain reality about your childhood or about your life experiences that you should be working with before you move on with your life. So that, that to me, that's how I work with my ego. That's how I kind of uh, developed a way to listen in and question and really have a, an internal dialogue that is really open and vulnerable at the same time that i don't leave any stone unturned that i should be able to be like you know i'm <laughs> i'm the the boss here um, and i move on as being the boss if that makes right.
0: sense
1: no absolutely it
0: does and becoming more aware of you're talking about you know looking at your thoughts and where they come from and they're really old beliefs a lot of the time right beliefs that we learned as as children from society from our families that no, that no longer serve us. So when you start questioning those thoughts, like you said, Oh, I, I can't do that certain task or a challenge that's set before you. And then when you really dig into it and look at it and you see, it comes from an old belief that you had that you can learn to let go of. So, yeah, I mean, and I think it's a lifelong practice, right? I mean, I try to do that all the time and I'm always coming up with old beliefs of (laughs) things I didn't even realize. Um, you know, like I, I remember coming to a, a belief about money. Like I always thought money was so hard to get and only Mm -hmm. certain people were able to get it. And then I, when I looked back tried to look back at where those beliefs were coming from, you know, it was just my, my family, my parents saying, you know, you have to work hard, work hard, or you're not going to get any money. And so it always seemed like it would be hard, that it was a hard thing to do when for a lot of people, it really isn't. So yeah, it's interesting when you start taking that, that path and asking yourself those questions, and then nice. getting those answers, you know, and coming to your truth. And, um, you know, you and you mentioned truth, and you talk about that in the book, and how we can search for what's true for us. And when you look around, there's a lot of people in groups who try to sell us on their version of the truth, and doing this work that you talk about in the book where we can get to the point of surrender. And that's where we're going to really find our own truth. Would, would you say that's right?
1: Right. And, and, and to me is that you take charge and responsibility for your own spiritual journey and awakening. And in that, what that means is that you start to practice what I call spiritual inquiry. And in spiritual inquiry, you ask, questions, just like you moved from a state of self-awareness about who you are, you move to a state of self uh, um, quest for the truth. And, and that, that quest means if, if this guru says something or if this book says something, I, my responsibility is to be the gatekeeper keeper for my mind and for my soul and to ask questions about that. And when you're asking questions, not from a place of really interrogation, as much as it's about a question of curiosity. And those are questions, oh, is that true? And and what would life be like if that was true? And you start to ask questions, but but what about this here? What about this there? And you start to put a picture in your mind, start to form the more you ask these questions. And you end up in a place where you you realize, oh my God, there is this truth that I'm starting to realize and feel because I've gone on the journey of really um, trying to grasp it uh, and trying to reveal it for myself. And and those who ask never get lost because you've asked. And so that's been my approach, which is to practice spiritual inquiry. And I lead the readers and whoever is interested is, is to lead them to practice that? And how does that look like? And how can that be applied in their life and in their spiritual quest to become the the, the gatekeepers for their own uh, 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 spirit and their own soul? Um, And that's how I
0: see it. And one of the exercises that you take people through to kind of get to that truth, and I I, I tried this one myself as I was reading through the book, uh, clarifying your views around God. And And your journey, I thought was interesting where, you know, you're, we're brought up in certain traditions and then you explore other things and find what works for you and what doesn't. And then sometimes that leads you back in some ways to the, to the starting point, to the tradition that, that you learn from. So what Mm -hmm. do you think are some ways that we can clarify our views around God, around what that word means?
1: I think one of the limitations we have is that people have already labeled God, right? And in that labeling, we have become conditioned in a certain way. And based on our upbringing, that could become either emotionally charged as being positive or as being negative. Um, So what I invite people to do is is to liberate themselves from the positive or negative charge of God or the, the non-existence of God, and really go on a quest of really finding out for themselves as if they're just starting new. And and that could, I know, some people said to me, you know, that could take me years. I'm like, it's okay. Let it take you years. At least you'll get somewhere. And you will get somewhere where you start to feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm starting to feel more comfortable with what I'm finding. And that becomes your, your path because you're developing faith. You're developing a spiritual context for yourself that will serve as as you know this nest from which you live in your life as a spiritual being. And so the quest for truth is really simple. It comes down to how sincere you are to understanding what the reality of things is. And I do believe in the existence of truth as in capital T, because without the truth in capital T, this universe would not exist because there, has, there had to be an intention of creation. And with that intention comes purposefulness, as you can see in every little thing around you. The bees, the flowers, the, the, the mountains, the rivers, you, Diane, everybody else on this planet has a purpose and everything has a role to play. And so that's the grand purposefulness of the universe, of why this whole thing is being created is a big T for me, is a big truth. And so from that space, I start to question and ask to reach what that big T means and how does that look like in my life? How can I bring that in to be able to have meaning in this life, to really work, you know, walk on this ground firmly, knowing who I am and why I have come here and really serve as much as I can.
0: Well, it was interesting for me going through some of those questions you know, asking what the truth is for me and then seeing, you know, some of the answers. And sometimes you, there's some fear around that. Like I would, I would have a thought that was questioning something that I learned when I was growing up and I'd be afraid that I'd be struck down or punished or, you know, like someone's watching me for having those thoughts. So it, it was, it was interesting going through that that exercise. And I think it's it's important for people to do that, you know, to to clarify their views. And so right. many you great know what I, I went
1: through a very similar thing, Diane. I, I did feel like, you know, I felt guilty for asking these questions. I felt terrible. I felt like I'm a bad person. But you know what? Something inside of me stayed with it. Because it was like I was creating chaos for myself for me to be able to settle in after a while, to, to flow into something new. And that, that something new was something I owned, was something I fully discovered myself. It was not told to me uh, um, that I, I reached in into it by my own self, my own convictions. And that that's a, a, a feel-good place to be in. And so that's what I encourage people to do.
0: Well, I think that everybody will benefit from reading this book, bringing some very important questions to the forefront and and challenging us to ask ourselves those questions and move forward on all of our own personal spiritual journeys. And Iman, it was so great to talk to you today. And I'm, I'm so glad you were patient. We were able to work through some of the technical difficulties and connecting from across the world. Uh, but it's been wonderful to talk with you today.
1: Thank you, Diane. It was wonderful talking to you.
0: Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show.